Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, season three, episode one, episode three, and episode five, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes. You'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. Hey everyone, Cameron here on a uh, lovely Tuesday afternoon, 4th of August 2020, recording this. I just wanted to give a little bit of a preamble for this week's show. As you know, I'm sure Tony's uh, on a road trip at the moment. Uh, He raced up to Brisbane last week so we could do a, a dinner here on Friday night, which was terrific. We had a great turnout, huge amount of fun. Great people, uh, really enjoyed that. And then um, he stuck around for a day or two. We had another dinner just with family. And then um, I think right now he's on the Gold Coast playing golf with our friend Mark. So um, we recorded a a, a short show on Friday afternoon sitting at my living room table. It's not very long. We got through the questions that we had and then uh, we had to pack it up so we could go get ready for dinner. So I wanted to just let you know it is a short show this week, but uh, Tony will be back in Sydney, assuming all goes to plan, Monday next week, and we'll do a, a normal longer show then. But uh, you got to send us questions if you want us to flesh anything out. Otherwise, we'll, I guess we'll do some more uh, stock analyses, that kind of thing. Anyway, enough of that rambling from me. Hope you're all well, and uh, on with the show. Welcome back, QAV 333, sitting at my living room table with TK. How are you, TK? I'm good. I'm good. We're both sitting in front of a single mic, so we may sound slightly weird. Forgive us for that. Um, Just been out to a nice lunch, had a Negroni. Yes. We're recording this on Friday the 31st of July, uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, with... A glass in front of us, each of the uh, first bottling of the Ben Riak single malt by the Australian Whiskey Appreciation Society. Cheers, Tony. Um, by my mate Nico Devlin in Sydney. Bottle 133 of 295 we're drinking. 
cask number 4,514, age 12 years, 2007 cask bottling, uh, date of certif- date of something, I can't, don't have my glasses on, What's date of distillation, 19th of February 2007, year of bottling 2019. What do you think, Tony? That's nice. Very nice, isn't it? It's very yeah. very smooth. It's yeah. peaty. Yeah. Very pretty. fine. Nice legs on it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> That's lovely smoky, lovely, uh, lots of nice rich notes there. <laughs> We're having the um, first QAV Brisbane dinner tonight. And we are. We better, you know, take it slowly. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing as you said you had a big the night last night Scotch, as it was. That's right, right yeah. The groaning and scotch, and then a dinner tonight. So you uh, drove up here from yep. Sydney Tuesday. I did. Got across the border before they uh, shut it down. On this, it'll be was, tomorrow. They're shutting it down. Right I was there. waved across. Didn't even stop and check me. Yeah, I had two girls in the boot. <laughs> <laughs> two dead bodies. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I find that amazing. Like, it's almost like you tick the box just so they can prosecute you afterwards, but they don't really care if you get in and, and spread the COVID. Well, there, there's so many people. I think they, if they stopped and questioned everybody, mm-hmm. the traffic would be backed up to Sydney from the border. Well, it would be, but I guess if they had like special passes for people who live just across the border and have to go across and work, mm. and but otherwise they stop New South Wales Rego plates. I would have thought work. they would have done that when we came up from New South Wales a couple of weeks ago. We had to have the the, the, the paperwork on the car mm. and they waved us through but I assume that was because we had Queensland plates yeah possibly yeah. Um, surprised they didn't stop you and check yeah, you was, it, was it very busy when you came no out? it took about 10 minutes it was just traffic funneling into one lane that was the only slow part about it but yeah. uh, no straight across weird yeah alright well we don't have a lot of time today because Fox will be back soon um, <laughs> from school so let's get into uh, some stuff for the week we have to get stuck into the scotch before he gets <laughs> <laughs> yeah or he'll he'll finish it uh, let's let's start with some journal entries so we've only got one this week one journal entry well, I've been travelling that was this morning yeah okay um, where you said uh, you found a couple of companies that were appearing as buys I can't yeah, read so what's, it because I'm so what's, what's not a club member. <laughs> what, <laughs> what's happened is uh, there were... Uh, I down, downloaded from Stock Doctor a new load today because I was looking at some of the companies that have reported like Credit Corp and I wanted to run them through our spreadsheet, our QIV Master Spreadsheet. Right. Uh, in that process, though, there were uh, one or two companies that were coming up as a buy on the buy list, but when I looked at them further, the VLOOKUP, of the manual manually entered data wasn't working properly right so they they weren't they, they were a new company and, and the one i'm thinking of was um vol i think i said yeah yeah vol vol yeah so vol was showing up as a, a stock to buy on the buy list but when i went back and looked at it 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 wasn't it was in a downtrend uh but the the v lookup was saying it was in an uptrend and the problem was vol wasn't part of the manually entered data spreadsheet so normally Normally, if we, if we get a new company in the latest download, the VLOOKUP will give you either an error or a zero. Oh, right. But it wasn't this time. It was it was defaulting to some other company and giving it a yes or a no answer. Were you uh, using the version of the sheet that John Matching no, has? Okay. I haven't had a chance to go through I've been playing with that a little bit, and um, there's still a couple of complications in it that okay. I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Um, but, but again, I want to thank John because he's mm. made himself very available and done a lot of work and been very helpful, which I really appreciate. Me too. Um, 
Okay, so VOL. So you, bottom line is be careful uh, with the manual entered data stuff. Yeah, just if you're going to double like, check everything. Obviously, before you buy something, go back and check it. Yeah, look at it on Stock Doctor. Check the the three point trend. Do line. the work. Do the work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to keep pointing out to people, particularly to maybe new club members. Like the what Tony provides with the checklist and the tools, they're not finished products by any means. This isn't you know the the, the idea of this show isn't to give you a click a button magic mm. solution. It's to teach you principles and ideas that Tony's developed to value stocks and some of the tools that he uses that you can use as the basis maybe for your own thinking and your own tools. But you shouldn't think of, take it as a finished solution or something that's an out of the box software product. I guess that's you know yeah, ready made for you. That's not what we're doing. It's here. Pretty much evolving. That's right. Yeah. And it's making it faster. I mean, the tools make the whole process faster. Right. Which is good. But yeah, just be aware that um, you need to, especially before you buy or sell something, just check it. So VOL, um, I'm looking at their chart now. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't even worry. It was it was a complete. Uh, Error. Yeah. Okay. Not looking good. No. What do they do though? This VOL. I think from memory it was some kind of office. Victory offices. Uh, Victory Offices Limited, an Australian yeah. company that provides comprehensive serviced office packages and co-working spaces and as an alternative to traditional office space. Cool. I like that. <laughs> you and I were talking about setting up one of those we were, a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. Glad we didn't. I think the space collapped. <laughs> It'd be shut down now anyway, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it would not have been a good time to be no. one of those. Uh, the other part of that uh, journal entry was I looked at uh, NHC, New Hope Coal, and took it off the uh, the buy list. Right. So it was on the buy list with an uptrend, and I turned the, up, I turned the entry for the uptrend to be a no. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can see that from the graph pretty easily. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the uh, journal entries. Obviously, you're travelling. Mm-hmm. Not getting into the, not getting to it that regularly, but uh, how's the golf going? Good. Got any journal entries for about the golf? Played Sanctuary Cove yesterday, which was fantastic. Oh wow! Mm. You can get in there. Yeah, it's, it's not a too public hard. course now. Oh, really? No, it was busy, but it was good. Beautiful, right. just like beautiful weather. Great golf course. Just forgot it all about COVID nineteen at Potts Point in Sydney, and just did you join a myself. foursome or something? No, I played by myself. Is that okay? Do you like that? No, well, yes and no. I don't mind if I'm going out practicing, but I prefer playing with people. You listen to a podcast? No. Were you listening to us? You know, I, I tried practicing with earbuds in and I can't do it. Really? Like the sound of the the, the sound the club makes on the ball is yeah, so yeah. important. You've got to have the yeah. audio feedback. Yeah. And the horses? Any horse news yeah, we for got, us? Yeah, uh, we got one racing on Sunday called Ring of Honor at Sandown at 4.15. And there's... Well, another half a dozen will come in fairly soon to start racing. Three of them won a tri- their own trials last week. So they're all getting ready for the spring. Basically. Are they wearing masks when they run? <laughs> no. I heard a dog died of COVID. Really? If a dog can die of COVID, maybe one of your horses could die of COVID. Oh, should check there. our insurance policy then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. So yeah. You've had a couple of good runs. Yeah, well, the trials, the trials don't mean much, but it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's still nice to win them, but they're, they're not a race. It's just a hit out. Right. Mm. By the way, speaking of that, I want to thank uh, one of our new club subscribers, club members, Kev P from Newcastle, 
who just discovered us. He said he's listened to a bunch of um, investing podcasts and we are way cooler, which... <laughs> Hasn't make, watched the videos yet. <laughs> <laughs> makes me feel very sad for those other... If we're cooler than other investing podcasts, I hate to think what they are. Um, all right, let's get into questions. Yeah. P-Head, Jamie, a.k.a. P-Head. Um, he had a big one here. I think he may have emailed this to me um, or posted it on Facebook. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Intuitive nomenclature for TK may be confusing to others. Clarification requested, please, on how to best interpret the two sentiment columns when scoring the buy list. A, sentiment calculated from stock doctor filters. B, sentiment confirmed, eyeballed from five-year monthly three PTLs, e.g. a downtrend. Intuitively, I've been reading this as follows. Um, no for the sentiment confirmed. Does this mean A is wrong, 3PTL no. is thus uptrend, or B, yes, does this mean A is correct, 3PTL downtrend? No, they're not really linked. So the first one, A, so it's the sentiment we calculate in the spreadsheet using five-year monthly positive growth or, or six-month positive growth or stock doctor SD Max bullish. That's, that's the first column, and that can say uptrend or downtrend. But then the second column is a verbal, uh, sorry, a visual confirmation of that by looking at the chart in Stock Doctor or Reuters or whatever, Yahoo Finance, and doing our own check on that graph. Right. So the one to focus on is the second one. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's and people may have to fill it out themselves if they're looking at a company that we haven't already looked at. But... But yeah, the, the important one is the second one. So it's a confirmation of the three-point trend line. The first one is a is a um, a program that tries to calculate it easily. Yeah. But what we found is that it does miss some uh, that you you can see um, visually, and some on a couple of occasions it will give you an uptrend, which is a false signal as well. So Jamie had kind of worked all this out anyway, and he was suggesting that for the sake of clarification, we may want to rename these columns. Okay. Another name change, yep. Um, and I'm just looking for it here. So column CO and CP. Right. So sentiment, CO, we might change to um, stock doctor sentiment. Well, that's not even fair. It's calculated from stock doctor, but they don't actually say it's the stock doctor sentiment. Okay. Maybe calculated sentiment. Which is what he suggested, actually. Okay. Calc sentiment. Mm -hmm. And then CP, he's suggesting uh, 3PTL sentiment. Okay. That's fine. Okay. I'll and then, so, but the, I mean, okay, so now it's saying yes or no, just for 3PTL sentiment. Yeah. 3PTL sentiment confirmed. Yeah, okay. Yes or no. Yeah. So... Why does this one say zero? Because uh, it, that's it's finding something it hasn't found in the manual data oh, entry. Okay. Yeah. Manual entry. All right. Yeah. Good one. Well, thanks for picking that up, mm -hmm. Jamie. Good work. So um, I've changed that in version three point nine of the checklist up on Dropbox now. Club members can get that by going to the club member resources page if you're new. Um, so. Good. Thanks. Thanks for uh, the insights there, P-Head. Dave W. asks, Hi, last podcast you talked about maybe having to sell some of your portfolio with the reporting season here. What sort of bad news makes you sell 
Is it just not meeting guidance or other company-specific news or macro news like high, high gold or high iron ore prices, China tensions, etc.? Could you give us some examples of reasons you have sold in the past? Thanks, Dave. Well, I would think that the vast majority would be because three-point trend lines are, are turning down. So sentiments change with the results. But you do also talk about bad news. Yeah, so the, the bad news that uh, I'm specifically thinking of would be a qualified audit, for example. Right. Fairly rare, but it has, in the last couple of years anyway, cropped up two or three times. Uh, it's a difficult one because it's case by case, but if like the CFO was, was, was resigning under unusual circumstances or the CEO or uh, someone from the board... Uh, that, that might make me think that there was something untoward going on with the with the numbers in the company. I might sell for that reason. Just on the news of that. Yeah, but I'd have to look into it and, and make my own opinion on a case-by-case basis. But right, yeah. something that's a bit worrying. Yeah. That makes you think that maybe the numbers are dodgy. Yeah. Um, there's always going to be questions going into reporting season about what's going to happen. So, you know, for example, Fortescue Metals came out I think today or yesterday, and said that they had you know their best quarter ever, and that they were forecasting five years of growth in iron ore and all sorts of things. And given they've had such a good run up, I'd be you know I'm starting to not I wouldn't sell them, but I'm starting to you know wonder when the downturn might come. But again, I'm going to be completely led by the by the sentiment on that because it could go on for another four or five years. Gold's the same; uh, it's it's been going through a good run now, so I'm not necessarily looking for something to sell uh, but I am sort of watching those in particular I remember famously when we started our portfolio in September uh, no earlier than that early last year when we just after we started the podcast we bought Apollo yes tourism and leisure Mm -hmm. and then not long after the share price was tanking and we were like what's going on and then they came out and said leisure vehicle sales and rentals yeah. were right down and yep. they sort of pulled their guidance on their numbers, I think, from memory. Yeah, and I, I think we... I don't know if we actually waited for the three-point trend line to reach its sell position. We probably sold out I think we sold out based on, yeah. yeah. Them saying, listen, that guidance that we'd given you was uh, is not... We, we can't stick to it. Mm. Market's changed and we're advising you of that, right? Yeah, that's right. So that's sort of bad news as well. Yeah, yep. Uh, but generally, what, what typically happens is the company will report, uh, the, the brokers will analyse the numbers very, very quickly, and by that day or the next day, the share market will have moved, uh, if it's going to move, 10 or 20%. It often takes two or three days for the figures to get into Stock Doctor or Reuters or wherever, because they've got to crunch them themselves and put them in. Uh, and But I tend to wait for those two or three days and see what the numbers are in Stock Doctor and run them through my spreadsheets and do my checks. But that might be the stage where you say um, the, the share price has dropped 20%. Um, the numbers coming through weren't good. Maybe I'll sell. Even if it hasn't breached the sell line. It's tricky, isn't it? I, case by case, I, I would generally wait for the sell line to be breached. Hmm. Yeah. That reminds me, i um, not sure if I have this in here. Yeah, this is a question later on. Mark, Mark M, emailed me yesterday, I think, and said that... Um, he said, what's your sell price for the reject shop, TRS? <laughs> By my eye, it looks around 250 ish I bought it at 695 because I thought it was still a buy and it's been mostly downhill from there. I haven't seen any new announcements either, so not really sure why it dropped so quickly. Any ideas? Obviously, I think it's um, Eddie 
Eddie Donato uh, putting a hex on TRS. I think that's the main reason for it. Um, it, it, it like it, it peaked, it went up above eight dollars for mm-hmm. a few days, mm-hmm. and then it's dropped substantially since then. But I asked Mark. I went back and I said, "Did you buy it on the way up, on the way down?" He said, oh, "On the way down," mm-hmm. um, because he wasn't looking at the daily prices. He was looking at the month right. end yep. prices, yep. and it looked like it was still a buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was coming down, and I said, uh, "Look, I'm not giving advice, but I do know we've had a couple of instances where." shares on their dailies have broken through the buy line we've mm-hmm. added them to the portfolio then by month end they'd retreated mm-hmm. again and tony said ah just sell them it's a falling knife yep. we got in too early before yep. the month ended sort of resolved mm-hmm. so that's i'm right there right that's what you would yeah. normally yeah. do i mean trs looking at it isn't probably in that situation in that it's way above its its sell price which i think it's about 250 I think. yeah yeah i think mark's right it's about 250 um, and it's now 6.19 today. There, there is something I've noticed before with retailers, retailers in particular going into a reporting season is people get nervous. Uh, and, if, and I know a lot of experienced people in the market will say if a retailer is trending down before its results come out, it's bad news. But I've also had cases where that's just nervous Nellies, you know, sort of creating their own feedback loop and the results have come out and it's gone back up again. So... I wouldn't do anything at this stage. Funny thing is, like, Reject Shop blew up initially post-COVID because mm-hmm. of its ability to trade through COVID. Yeah. Now we're back into a second wave of mm-hmm. COVID around the country. You would think this people would be getting back on the TRS train, maybe. Oh, possibly, yeah. And you pointed out a week or so ago that Morgan Stanley had put out a report saying they thought it was worth about $10. $10, yeah. But um, that hasn't helped its price. But anyway... I just wanted the point there for Mark is that, um, like, I, I, what I've seen you do before is if we jump on a stock a bit quickly um, and then it retreats, you're happy just not to wait for it to hit its yeah. sell line. Yeah. You just say, okay, well, it's a falling knife. Yeah. And also, too, uh, with the, something like the reject shop, I, I, don't, uh, I don't like buying on down days. So if, it's, if, it, if Mark was buying when the share price was dropping, I, I tend to wait and wait for it to turn around before you buy it. Yeah, I don't think he knew it was dropping. Though. Okay. I, I don't think he looked... He said he said in one of his emails, so the lesson for me next time is to... He, and, and no, I know he did say he ended up selling. He, he backed out of it pretty okay. quickly and cut his losses. But he said the lesson for him in future was to actually look at the dailies before he mm-hmm. actually bought. Just well, in case sort of it was trend. I mean, there's, there's TRS, it got us... In terms of month end things, it got as high as seven dollars twelve. Now it's six nineteen. So, so when was the seven twelve? That was last month. Last month, yeah. Right. So okay. Was, uh, well, it's a month ago, thirtieth yeah. of June. Um, yeah. So it's been. It probably has had up and down days in that period, but overall it's down. Well, so I'm not sure when he monthly, bought it though. Sorry. I'm not sure when he bought it. Yeah, he, he might have bought it before the, the end. Of, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, last month, maybe. I don't yeah. Know. So if he did that, if he bought it on the way up, and it was. Seven dollars or six fifty, whatever he said he bought it at. Then yeah, I'd be holding on at the moment. But this could be an example again of where they come out and say, "Oh no, yeah, our numbers are now out; they're terrible. We're not going to wait till two dollars fifty if the stock's going down and and the numbers are bad." Really? Yeah. Okay. So when did it go above? So, uh, so it was July. It went above eight bucks. And nearly hit eight bucks on the nineteenth of June. Uh, so we'll wait to see. 
what mm-hmm. they say. We're not going to hold on for dear life just because... Well, we don't actually have them in the portfolio. They're in my portfolio, not right. the dummy portfolio. Yeah. And you might want to make a call that you want to sell it when it gets back to break even if it's going down, for example. Oh, it's a long way before it'll be break even. Okay, well, maybe yeah. it's maybe yeah. ahead of that then. No, I'm, I'm holding, holding on just to stick rule it to Eddie. <laughs> That's rule number one, stick yeah. it to Eddie. <laughs> Joking, Eddie, you yeah. know that. Yeah. Uh, okay, Eddie will have a laugh at that. Uh, that's Dave. Oh, got a question from Eddie. There you go. <laughs> hey, Eddie. Got a question for Tony Reed Credit Corp. I've reached out to Credit Corp mm. and Stock Doctor, but no one has got back to me. I've been trying to reconcile CCP's operating cash flow figures, looking at 2019 from an investor PowerPoint presentation mm-hmm. to their latest June 2020 financial statement of cash flows. The CCP financial statement of cash flows matches Stock Doctor's 2019 operating cash flow data, but I don't understand why the PowerPoint presentation cash flow figure for 2019 is different to both of these. And he put some PDFs in there, which I haven't looked at. No. Uh, one thing it might be is that the half the half yearly ones were rolling averages, so they add the first half to the last half from last year in Stock Doctor. Right. Which Credit Corp probably didn't in their reporting. They would have gone six months discreet, I would think. So it could be that. I, I haven't had a chance to look at that yet. In fact, Dylan, my nephew, sent me a similar sort of question about that as well. Oh, about CCP? Yeah. He was trying to work from the figures uh, right. that, they, they, that they put out to the to the market. Right. Um, I did, I did, what I did do this morning was run CCP through our, uh, our spreadsheet and it wasn't coming up as a buy. Right even though it's jumped a fair bit in the last uh, couple of days on the back of the result, it was still like, well, using the stock doctor figures, it was priced to cash flow of around 10. Right. Just looking them up now. And the cash flow in the June half is, well, it's more than half, probably a third of what the cash flow was in the December 19 half. It went down from 293 million to 115 million. Wow. Mm. which is why it's priced to operating cash flow went up to 10 and I thought these are the guys that buy bad loans right yeah they're credit chasers yeah or debt chasers correct debt collectors yeah Yeah. Uh, you would have thought they would do well in a time like this I think you said before there's a bit of a lag usually well and not just that but um, the banks or the credit card companies or whoever's providing their debt uh, customers stop stop outsourcing them during these times as well. Mm-hmm. And they said that in their announcement, I read briefly that they um, they were hoping that the market would free up again soon. Looks to me like the buy line for these guys sort of comes in around twenty one dollars, twenty one fifty or something. Yep. It's mm. getting close. So it's getting close from that perspective, but from our QAV score perspective, it's not. Still yeah, not a buy score? No. But I haven't reconciled the Stock Doctor operating cash flow back to their results announcements. Okay. Uh, let's look at the next question. Elmar. This came in just this morning. G'day, Cameron and Tony. Just listened to episode 326 with Elio D'Amato. And he spoke of borderline star stocks and how they were great companies in their way to becoming a star stock. The point that piqued my interest 
is he said getting early, getting in early on a star stock gives you a greater return. That's why they created the borderline star stock label. Question, does Tony agree with this? And if so, wouldn't it be worthwhile giving borderline star stocks a value of one or even two on the checklist rather than a half? Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with it. I've seen plenty of borderline star stocks that don't go on to be star stocks for whatever reason. So no, uh, and I think if you made a borderline a one, you'd have to make a star stock a two. So the fact it's 0.1 now for borderline and one for star stock is probably the same thing. Right. Yeah. But if Alma is suggesting we weight up the borderline stocks to be a two and the star stocks to be a one, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, because the borderline star stocks involve a, a little bit of prediction on on stock doctors' part to try and work out whether they will go on to be a star stock or not. Right. Yeah. But um, but yeah, they're certainly good stocks, uh, you know, from the financial health perspective and growth and all the rest of it. But for some reason, they're just missing out on being a star stock. Uh, sometimes they go on to be star stocks and then they can. I've often found myself that if we have a QAV stock that wasn't a star stock, but we bought it and then it became a star stock, there was a big kick up in the in the share price from that. So it is great to catch star stocks prior to them being star stocks by or rated star stocks by Lincoln. But uh, I, yeah, I, I'm not convinced that borderline star stocks always go on to be star stocks. Right. So just keep rating them against... 0.5 and 1. Yeah, yeah but uh, just keep rating them against all of the metrics in the checklist and looking mm-hmm. for good companies. Yeah, correct. That get, they, get a, they get a half a point for that, but it's, you don't think it's worth more than that? No. Okay, thanks, Elmar. Thanks, Tony. Well, that's all the questions for this week. Um, I did want to talk about our portfolio, Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, our portfolio is going gangbusters for reasons that... Um, Escape me. We've gone from minus eight to oh god, we just dropped from seven point <laughs> seven down to five point seven today. Oh, the kiss of death, the curse of the uh, yeah. podcast recording. <laughs> but we're up. I mean, the market's down nine point one five percent since we started our portfolio in September. We're up mm-hmm. five point seven. We were down like eight only a, maybe two weeks ago. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Uh, Some big rises in Fortescue and the gold mines, I think, over that time. Really. Oh, man. Our Fortescue, our first trench of Fortescue that we bought back at the end of August is up 130%. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Over the year. Yep. A little bit, 11 months. Yep. And, that, and that's what we look for. We, I'm, I'm hoping to find in our portfolio one or two stocks like that. Right. A Remelius and a, and a Fortescue. PRU is up yep. 108% since we bought them in September mm-hmm. last year. Yep. Uh, SFC is uh, not one of those. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot of them have done well still. Yeah. 30% up, a lot of them, 40%. Yeah, but I would think in the last little while when we turned from being negative to positive, it's probably on the back of Fortescue and some of the gold miners. Right. Yeah, like Perseus, like Romilius. Um Even stocks like Santos has done okay too for us. Uh, in fact... We don't have Santos. Oh, yes, we do. We Sorry. Do, yeah. yeah, up 20, 24%. Yep. Since April. Mm-hmm. Christ, that's not bad. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that's... Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's on the back of that resources... And uh, who knows where it's going to finish. They're resources, so they could turn down. We have to sell them, but uh, at the moment, they're going strong. Right. 
And I read today that uh, half of Australia's exports go to China, and China's now looking at us going, well, you're siding with Trump. <laughs> I'm not sure we want to keep taking your stuff, so who knows what will happen. Again, don't want to forecast off all the sentiment. <laughs> We're going to war yeah. with our number one customer. Yeah, it's smart, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> siding with Trump! Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh... Um, how's that? How's that whiskey? It's lovely. Scotch guy. It's really good. It's good, right? Yeah, really yeah, nice. Yeah, done a great job. Yeah. Well, we have to we have to buy a QAV barrel. Mm-hmm. I think a barrel. Well, that's what you do. Yeah, you invest in barrels. Right. He'll get you a barrel, and then he will blend it and sit on it, mm-hmm. and then bottle it for you ten years later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. So we we we'll have to put together. A, I don't know. Steve's interested. Mab. Yep. We'll put together. a well, like a cohort of guys and yep. girls, if yep. they are interested, and invest in a QAV uh, yeah. barrel of whiskey. All right, good. <laughs> and we'll go and swim in it, bathe in it. At, uh... <laughs> well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au, and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the Getting Started Guide, all of the video content that we have, uh, you get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. So, and also we get a, a private uh, club member newsletter each week. We send out as well with some stuff in it. So. Check that out, qavpodcast.com.au. But as I said, if you're brand new and you want to, you're trying to figure out what's going on, go back and listen to season three, episodes one, three, and five, 301, 303, and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to season one as well, all of the free episodes in season one, where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, The other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or tax advisor. Uh, With that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week. 